Hello and welcome to the Empress Festival. My name is Angel Quintana. I'm the founder of Holistic Fashionista and we have an amazing festival for you guys today. I want to apologize for the delay, um, but we will be going for a full two hours and we have an amazing panelist group. In fact, I got to say that the caliber of women that are on this specific festival I have worked with personally. Uh, we are going to be talking even more about growing soul-based businesses, which is probably something we haven't covered as much on in the past festivals. So if you are watching this Empress Festival and you have a soul-based business, uh, you're thinking about starting one, it is January 2020, uh, so you probably have some big dreams and goals that you want to achieve. There is several business coaches, uh, business intuitives that are going to be uh, sharing their expertise today. Uh, but for those of you guys who are brand new to the festival, I want to uh, I want to just give you a little bit of background about what the Empress Festival is. So first and foremost, I think that you should have a notebook and paper. You're probably going to hear about all different kinds of, uh, and it's 11-11, so that's a good sign. Um, we're going to hear about all different kinds of modalities, things that you've probably never heard of, even terminology that's brand new to you. So if you are new to the spiritual path, um, if you've gone through the dark night of the soul or gone through um, just some really dark times recently or even in 2019, and you're kind of wondering what's on the other side of those dark doors, well, every single person that's here uh, who participates in the festival has gone through their own dark, night, dark nights of the soul. So we are going to be talking a lot about um, what happens after. Because I think when you're in the thick of it, it's like, who can I turn to? Who can I talk to? Um, you know, maybe your friends and family just think you've gone off the ledge. And so the Empress Festival is really created um, to help you find your people, okay? You might be able to find a mentor or coach here. Uh, maybe there's a new modality that you want to research. It could even be that you want to work with some of the amazing panelists that we have here today. So do me a favor if there is... Um, if there is someone here or a few of the people that really help you see things in a new light, I want you to take a moment to write down their names. Um, they will be leaving their information at, in the comments section below this video. So if you are watching this on YouTube, inside the Holistic Fashionista Facebook group, or even on the Facebook page, um, all of our panelists will be leaving their information so that you can um, either subscribe to their newsletter or follow them on Instagram um, or just get to know them in a deeper way. So we all are looking for mentors. We are all um, here to support each other. Um, I have in the past really pr uh, promoted this festival to be towards women, but I'm changing that. Um, there are so many men out there who are seeking guidance and the festival is for anyone who is on the spiritual path, no matter what, what stage of the path you're on. So this is for men, female, divine masculine, divine feminine. Um, so if you are a man here watching the festival, I want to just give you a huge uh, welcome. Um, it's always such a pleasure to see the masculine stepping up and waking up and meeting the divine feminine. And I feel like there's so many coaches and programs out there that are, uh, that are specifically for women, but I do want you to know that um, this festival is um, not gender specific, okay? Um, so um, without further ado, I'm going to go ahead and have uh, each of the panelists introduce themselves and um, get to know them. So if you could all, um, I'm going to unmute you guys individually, but say your name, 
um, what, uh, what problem you solve, who you are here to serve, and just a little bit about your background so that we can all get to know exactly what it is that you do. And I'm gonna start with you, Africa. You are on. Well, first and foremost, Angel, I want to say thank you so much for putting on this festival like you have done for several years now. Um, it's an honor to even be on here with this uh, amazing panel of women. Um, my name is Africa Arshield, and I coach spiritual entrepreneurs that really are working hard and want to make that deep impact and high profit, but really feel overwhelmed. Like you've been in your business a while and it just isn't where you want it to be. So that's basically who I help and serve at a very high and deep level. Awesome, and what, um, where can they find you on Instagram and what is your website address? My web address is africaarshield.com and just like my name as you can see here down the corner, and you can find me on Instagram and anywhere on social media at Africa B-A-B. Awesome. I can't believe this is the first time you've done the Empress Festival. I feel like so honored to have you here, girl. I can't wait to dive in. I'm, I'm really excited about the business portion for this festival. So I'm looking forward to picking your brain and, and really helping um, those people out there who are in the overwhelm because I feel like you almost have to get to the overwhelm phase to finally figure out like, it's not working, and then you start stepping into that divine path. So welcome to the festival. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you, Angel. Awesome. And then I'm going to go to you, Jolinda. So excited to have you. I love your hair. Thank Make sure you. you. Oh, there you are. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. So share with us a little bit about who you are, what you do, who you serve. Yes, absolutely. So my name is Jolinda Johnson, and I support heart-centered coaches and healers in reaching their highest potential through hormonal balance, spiritual connection, and divine feminine flow. And this is really a culmination of my skills as a certified holistic health coach, a certified life coach, and a priestess. So I really address mind, body, and spirit with each of my clients. And I think that that is the only way that you can really maintain a sustainable business is by addressing all three. Um, and that's what I love to do most. Absolutely. So one of the things we do here on the festival um, is a little bit of a vocabulary. So I know for depending on where we are in the spiritual process, you know, when we talk about divine feminine flow, um, we talk about just some of the language. So I will be picking your brain a little bit more just so our audience can learn more about what that actually means. Um, because again, it's an energy. <laughs> so thanks so much for being here, Jalinda. I can't wait to get to know you better. Thank you for having me. Oh, and I'm so excited to have you back, Lisa. Welcome back to the Empress Festival. So happy to have you. Thank you, can you hear me? I sure can. Good, yeah, thank you. It's a joy to be back um, and sharing this festival with some new women, so this is wonderful, thank you. I am in a process of transition with my work um, because my spiritual process is ever-evolving, you know, I'm sure everybody can, can appreciate. Therefore, my work has to evolve. So what I would say currently what I'm doing is I am helping to reawaken women to their ancient wisdom, particularly the wisdom within their wombs. 
Um, their, their fullest potential, their pleasure capacity, their wealth magnetism, um, their, their greatest ease and connection within relationships. And one of the ways that I'm doing that, one of the primary ways, which has taken a lot more of a, of a, of a role recently, is through the channeling work that I do. So I, um, and I'm really developing that now. But my background um, is in coaching, um, life coaching, clinical hypnotherapy, advanced language, NLP, and other forms of contemporary energy medicine. So there's, there's a really good solid foundation to it all, but then there's, there's a lot that is flowing and changing really week by week, if I'm honest. So I have a current um, offering called Women in Business, which is spelt Women in Business, which is an online offering for a group of women we already launched last week. Um, she's very ceremony based. So I will hold online ceremonies, global ceremonies of three hours each, um, like modern priestess work, uh, but, but with a really good, um, structure, just really taking people through a deep journey and the feedback's been wonderful. So yeah, I'm, I'm in my joy zone at the moment. <laughs> awesome. And who do you work with? Whichever sort of women want to work with me, really. I mean, women in business is really focusing on the, you know, how do we rebirth the woman within the business? Um, and how do we sort of really work with her womb and her womb power? It's not so much focused on the business in terms of what is the business. Um, but I work with all sorts of women and I do still work with men. And traditionally, I used to work with about 30% male clients. So that's still happening. Awesome. Well, I can't wait to dive in again. We will yeah. be covering like what a modern priestess is, all the ancient womb wisdom. So again, the more vocabulary that we will be covering. So if you're kind of new to this whole journey, just know that we do do this whole segment on just understanding the language. So thank you so much for being here again, Lisa. So happy to have you. Thank you. And Mandler. Hi. Let me make sure I'm unmuted you here. Uh, you might have to, you might have to unmute yourself. Can I unmute myself? Can you there you me? go. Yay. Angel, it is such an honor to be here and with this caliber of women. Um, so thank you so much for, for holding this beautiful space for everyone. Uh, so I'm Ann Mandler and I am uh, a healer and um, a longtime um, business entrepreneur, and I've currently like branded myself as a business healer. However, the what I find is the healer work really has to go so so deep, and so it's taking people a lot of times in business where they're not comfortable. Mm -hmm. So, um, so my current, as well as a couple of you had mentioned, um, you know, also serving the male space. I've I've typically served a really beautiful community of women and um you know have always i have two sons of my own so i feel like a duty almost to branch out and give some back um to the male world well really because we're all you know we're all in this together so um so i have a lot of modalities that i teach um, a lot of tools but kind of the overarching umbrella that i'm really excited about right now is um is soul work and helping people understand and know their deepest uh, soul gifts. Um, we all come with a group of gifts. Um, we all have the same gifts, but they're actually ordered in a different way. And so to really know yourself in the truest, deepest way, it's super helpful 
to know the order of your gifts. So that's what I'm teaching right now in a big way for all sorts of people. Um, a lot of folks that have been in corporate, that's where I come from originally, but you know, we're born who we are. So I was always a healer, but I had to take a very windy road to get um, out of uh, corporate America and back into um, to teaching kind of that, that group, but um, a big set of folks coming from all walks of life about, about who they are at soul level. Awesome. I'm starting to see a trend here. Are you guys? <laughs> wow. This is going to be a pretty um, interesting uh, festival in that, you know, I feel like we're moving to a place where everybody, like, I feel like the word life purpose has always been like such a buzzword. Like what's my life purpose? What's my life's purpose? And now it's kind of transitioning into like soul's work. So, you know, it's like, if you think about everybody's like starting their own business, well, you know, in this age of Aquarius, it almost makes sense because your soul's work is so specific um, that, of course, you know, starting a business around your soul's work um, is going to liberate you. So I can't wait to dive more into that because I feel like there's a lot of people out there maybe in jobs that they just like know that they're not supposed to be there anymore. Um, they want to know their, their life purpose, but more importantly, how to uh, live the path where they're fulfilling their, their soul contracts and things like that. So I'm looking forward to diving deeper in with you. Um, thanks, Anne, for being here. Thank you. All right. And then we've got Trisha. So happy to have you here. New face. There we go. Okay. Hi, everyone. Thank you for um, having this. Thank you for letting me to be here. I'm excited to be chatting with all these lovely women who have such amazing stories to share. And I have, uh, I help highly sensitive, heart-centered entrepreneurs <laughs> who, are, <laughs> who are empaths. They're highly sensitive. They're looking to create more clients and have a bigger step in the world, but they're holding themselves back because of the emotions they pick up. They're not sure how to handle it, what to do, how to create even more because of that constant emotional overwhelm. And, and I really teach them how to handle that, how to attract more clients, how to handle themselves on a physical, mental, emotional level. And I do it in a way that is quick and easy because I want to get back to my life. I don't want to get stuck in this emotional overwhelm. I don't want to be that deer in the headlights going, oh my God, is this mine? Is this not mine? So I've created quick and easy tools for my clients. And for the most part, I do help women. However, I have been noticing a lot of men that are coming to me who are saying they're empaths, they, they can't handle it. They're trying to figure out a different way to deal with it. So I'm actually helping men as well, but for the most part, it is well, women. And I'm excited to share because so many people are so sensitive and they stop themselves from taking that next step because of that sensitivity. Wow. Well, okay. I feel like this group of people is like divinely guided because there's like a common red thread. There's common theme here with everybody. Um, so thank you, Trisha, for sharing. So I think I'm going to start the conversation around the, the topic of being sensitive. Um, I do think that um, uh, I do think that being sensitive is one of the biggest signs that you're going through a spiritual 
process or spiritual awakening. Um, you know, so much culturally, especially here in America, where we've kind of been, um, we've been taught to, to suppress our emotions, even as children, I'm sure boys like don't cry. Um, and, but even little girls with their, you know, the tantrums or whatever, you know, we were taught as children. And so as we've grown up, and um, I even see just even the younger generation, um, just not wanting to feel their emotions, thinking that, you know, the, the less emotions that I that I show, um, the more that I can keep my, you know, keep my shit together, or I can, um, appear strong. And I feel as if when you go through the spiritual awakening, when, you know, usually it's something in your life um, that happens that kind of brings you to your knees where you actually have to face how you feel. So I want to kind of go around the circle here and talk about being sensitive because, you know, empath is one thing. Um, it's obviously a great label um, for us to understand, you know, the feelings that we're feeling. Um, but even on a deeper level, I just feel that when we awaken, we awaken like the circuits that that help us tune in. And um, this is where this gift, I believe, comes in where we can feel other people's stuff. And then, um, like we were talking about, is just like, when is it my stuff that I'm feeling? Or when is it someone else's stuff? Um, and just in general, I think, you know, empathy and um, even introversion to some degree, it's like, you know, how do we cope with this in a world that's moving really fast? Um, you know, even relationships, um, we can talk about some of the entities that we are experience every single day just from being around people in general. So I'll just start with you, Africa. Um, you know, when you started this spiritual journey, and you started to awaken into all of your di divine gifts. I know that you do tarot on your YouTube channel. Um, I know that you are highly sensitive. I've had beautiful conversations, very rich and, and deep conversations with you. So what is your advice to those who are feeling things intensely, but they're still at the place where they're hiding those feelings? I totally understand. That's the first thing I want to say. It's something that we all go through. I am still going through it. I'm not sure that I'll ever quite totally make it out of the other side. To me, that's just part of the journey. It's part of the learning. There's always another level. But really for me, what helps the most is going out into nature. Mm. Nature, there's something about water that really helps me ground. It helps me. And I feel more connected as if I can disperse all that incoming energy back to the earth. And from there it can be renewed and it can be that kind of entire alchemical process that can happen so that it's like pushed back out to some, with something else and pushed back out with love, so to speak. So for me, when I initially started, I didn't understand that. So I, <laughs> that's me a few steps later. Um, on the initial, I didn't know what was going on. I was afraid. Um, I started, I realized I couldn't seek answers from the typical people around me. Mm. I think that was the scariest part that my grandfather, who I could normally go to for anything, really didn't have the answers or not the answers that felt true to me. And that meant seeking out other people. And if you're watching this festival, you're hearing us, you have sought out the right people. Um, but that was really my next step is finding a group of women, uh, a group like this to connect with. You know, it's, it's interesting because I think that's also where this, this 
feeling of needing to suppress your emotions comes from because you're like, I don't have anyone to talk to. I don't like, so then you just kind of keep it all in. Maybe you journal. Um, you mentioned and nature, which is really interesting. And I don't know where I heard this or read it, or I think it might've been in, been in an Oracle deck, but like trees, if you think about how long it takes for a tree to grow, like thousands of years. So imagine how much wisdom, you know, that tree has accumulated from being on this planet for that long. So as silly as it sounds, I mean, I remember walking my dogs and like hugging trees. Like I'm yes. sure people thought I was, I mean, I live in like a little city area. So it's kind of like, why is this woman like, even just to put my hand like on the tree to like feel the energy. And, you know, I'm also one of those people that I could be a hermit, you know? So it's like when you have all these feelings and then you're realizing that, you know, you don't, you're not feeling understood by your immediate circle of friends and family. It's like, what else can you do? So I feel like nature, you know, swimming in the pond or the ocean or a lake, um, hugging a tree, walking barefoot on the sand and the earth. So, you know, there's now all these studies that, you know, earthing, you know, there's like a documentary on Gaia about just walking barefoot and how that can heal you um, and really help ground you. Um, so I'm just curious, what is your zodiac sign, Africa? Leo. Leo. So do you find that anything with like fire, have you ever done a, any fire ceremonies or anything like that as far as releasing energy? I have done some to release energy. And one of the things that I found as I began on this journey and started to really experiment more is fire scrying. So I could actually look into fire and do intuitive work from there. Wait, what's it called? That's been really interesting. Fire scrying. Subscribing maybe into a crystal ball or something like that. I use fire. So like you're just staring at the flame. So how do you do it? <laughs> I actually have a very special shell that I do it with, but um, and I put different things in there. And if I'm working with someone at that time, instead you know, like when you work with someone to do tarot or something like that, I will have several things they can add to the fire. Uh, that call out to them so that I can get a better reading. How cool. I, I asked just because like, you know, nature, there's so much about nature, you know, there's the water element, there's fire, there's air, um, ether even. Um, so, okay, so this is interesting. So, okay, so thank you for sharing about nature. Uh, I'm, I forget, um, let's see, there was someone who does specific ceremonial work. I think it was Lisa. So I'm going to go ahead and call on you, Lisa, uh, yep. to talk to us about, uh, let me just make sure that your video is highlighted here. Perfect. Okay, so tell us a little bit about ceremonial work um, as far as helping us uh, feel grounded or even just like open us up to our feelings and be okay in feeling our feelings. Yeah, I feel ceremonial work and ritual is really important. I feel it's, it's sort of part of the, of the codes that I've brought forth, you know, my ancient codes, because it's before I even really knew what it was at the beginning of my spiritual awakening. Um, what I think what got me through, because I had a very rapid, very dynamic Kundalini awakening, which produced a lot of Kriyas, a lot of movements. So I was like a little puppet, a little ragdoll, <laughs> being thrown around a little bit by spirit. And what helped me was to form like a ceremonial, ritualistic relationship with the Kundalini energy. 
So to speak to the Kundalini energy, gratitude to the Kundalini energy, almost like forming a relationship and a conversation with, with a new entity, a new person in my life. Um, and I found that that really helped. So I, I started to develop um, because I'd get these sort of, you know, like one and a half, two hour sessions of, of yoga that would come through, except it wouldn't always look like yoga, mudras, weird movements, you know, all sorts of things. Some of it would look amazing, I imagine, and some of it would look very, very odd, but it's just how it was. But I would use the whole process uh, in terms of um, self-reflection and self-insight and self-inquiry and bring and, and ask questions and get answers. And it's almost like I would, I would create a sort of ceremony uh, uh, um, and, and this sort of movement and releasing, because that's what the Kundalini is doing for you, is completely, you know, through the movement or the shaking or the deep muscular shaking or the emotion that might come out or the mudras, you know, whatever it is, it's what your body needs. It's completely divinely bespoke for what you need for the releasing of, of any constriction. So I would sort of almost use it a bit like a modality, actually. I've never really spoken it out like that before, but that's sort of what was happening. Um, and I sort of open it and close it. So I've just always built on that. And my, my therapeutic work for my client work i've always been very strong in creating process and creating fluid but creating a i suppose if you're thinking of the masculine and the feminine um in harmony it's it's the it's the divine masculine creating that safe container that has a little bit of structure to it um so i see it a little bit like that ceremony it's like we, well we've definitely got a beginning and we've got an end but we've got a whole load of stages in the middle that they're all ingredients in their own right and but but the placing and the timing of those ingredients in the flow is really important um and as you said you know really what i will start with i'll always start with a sacred opening um and protection so everyone is very well held and safe and i use a lot of my my languaging my um, hypnotic languaging and then we really start to delve in so we go inward so we'll always have a topic um and we'll generally always have a drum journey uh, with an intention to deepen our insight or even to receive healing through that journey on that specific topic. Um, there'll be a sharing circle, even though it's only virtual in a lot of cases, but I do the, do these face to face as well. And then it's just so it's going inward, going inward, going inward, going inward, and this information coming up and coming forth like the. Uh, you know, the light being shed. And I always say, once we've asked the questions, even if the answers don't come into the conscious radar, we've already got a different relationship with that material just by the fact that that question has been asked because it can't be unasked. Does that make sense? I love this. So yeah. it's like every time that we feel something and we, so I, well, let me back up because it sounds like a ceremony with regards to what you're talking about is it, it is with other people. Mm -hmm. And there is a start and a finish. And then mm -hmm. there's like a sharing portion. Cause like the first thing that was coming to mind was like, almost like it's some kind of guided meditation, but it just sounds like it's almost taking guided meditation to like the next level yeah. where there's like conversation. So it's like all that stuff that we've been kind of keeping and pushing down. We finally yeah. can ask the question. Cause you know, you know, like in school or even college or, you know, whatever elementary is like, there's no stupid questions, but why is it that we're all like so scared to raise our hand and ask the questions? Now there's always been those people that are like me, me, me. But then like every like 90% of the other people are just like, I don't want to, I don't know how, even know how to ask the question. Cause I don't even understand what we're talking about. So it sounds like it's like your ceremonies are like a safe place, a safe haven 
to um, talk about those things um, that you don't understand, but in a safe place. And the second that you release it, even just asking the question, it's almost yeah. like that's when the healing starts. Is that? Yeah. The questions are sort of hypnotically structured. So they're actually a presupposition. So they are, you know, it's almost like there is a presupposition. Um, uh, let's say, um, uh, if we were focusing on mother, say, the mother wound, um, you know, what hurt you the most that your mother said to you or something like that? That's a presupposition that there was something that hurt you that your mother said. Well, you might have never expressed that before. You may have never said my mother hurt me with what she said when I was five, you know? But it's just, it's, 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 it's sort of sending those little tendrils and threads within and then that material can come up. And there's a little, obviously, the, they will do a lot of journaling themselves. I, I always provide a, a session so that they can journal, but then a little opportunity to share as well. So what they're comfortable to share can be met and can be received by the whole group. And there's so many common themes that come through, as you can imagine. Um, but then we'll work on, so then we work on releasing. So it's okay, we've shone a light on what it is. Now we'll work on releasing. So usually with that, that's when I sort of focus mainly on my channeling. So I bring through sound and a lot of movement and mudras. Um, and it will look quite visual to the camera, but actually they will be sitting or lying down with their eyes closed. Uh, you know, some of them may have their eyes open and watch, but it really is more, it's about that transmission. It's about that sort of spiritual shamanic transmission. Um, and they, they connect with it. I mean, I'm still, if I'm honest, quite surprised, delightfully surprised as to how it actually works, you know, the mechanics of, of this transmission. So they'll go through their own journey um, and things will come up and I encourage them if they want to, they want to move or if they want sound to come through or if they want to sort of work like their own energy healer and they're moving energy around their bodies. I just sort of give them full permission to be in their most primal, you know, they've created beautiful sacred space for themselves, it's private. Um, and then we'll then usually, I mean, there's a few more ingredients, but it would take me, it'd take me a while to talk about yeah. them all. But then the general theme then is once we've done the releasing, we'll often go off to an etheric temple, a temple of Isis I work in quite a lot with the white flame. Um, but when we've done the releasing, we'll then start to shift it up a gear and then we'll start to, um, we'll start to raise the energy. So we'll then start to infuse that energetic vessel with higher energy um, and again, that might involve movement or it might involve another transmission. That's like the, the session that I did on Wednesday, we did a specific pleasure activation transmission. It's the first time I've ever done anything like that. My goodness, it worked amazingly. And the report's coming back, you know, so I get these ideas as to how I can tweak my work. Yeah. I have a bit of a formula, you might say, and some key ingredients. And then I can, I can still get excited about how can I tweak that or how can I evolve that? And I wonder if that would work. And, and there we go. You know, that before you know it, you've got a whole new key ingredient. So, yeah, it's great fun. It's interesting just from like a business process. So we'll get deeper into like, cause I feel like soul's work, like you said, it's always evolving as you're evolving. So I'm, I'm almost listening to you watching like the evolution of your soul's work, like move in this new direction. But yeah. going back to what you said before, um, something that came to mind, there was many, many years ago, you know, this is when the whole law of attraction thing was taking off with the secret over like a, a decade ago. Um, well, there was this guy, his name is uh, Noah St. John, for those of you guys who want to write this down, but he had this whole concept about like, um, you know, if you want the quality of your life to change, ask better questions. 
And so it's kind of like, well, I don't know what questions to ask. And it just sounds like from the ceremonial work that you're doing, like, like maybe I wouldn't have thought about like, well, what did my mom say that has stuck with me all these years that I don't even think about. So here you are, like, again, like leading this movement, um, leading the ceremony in such a way where people are going, oh, maybe that's why, you know, I'm still doing X, Y, and Z or why I'm still holding on to these feelings and what have you. So I love it. I mean, again, questions, um, just as important as affirmations is asking like a higher quality question. If you want to change the quality of your life, change the quality of the questions that you ask. So I love that. Thank you for sharing, Lisa. Thank you. Awesome. Okay, I'm going to go to Jolinda here. Um, I know that you are a healer, so I kind of want to get some like practical, because um, I know you do some hormonal work. Um, you have some certifications in holistic health. So, you know, what's going on in our body, um, potentially from just suppressing emotions, but also just like the physical things that show up because I know for me like you know when your back hurts it's not just because like you lifted something heavy all the time sometimes it's like you're holding you know stress there or there's something else like like a spiritual wound that you know your soul is trying to get your attention so can you just talk a little bit about that well I think that's why um one of the reasons why I love working so much with the menstrual cycle and with the womb specifically, because um, so many issues in women's health um, stem from not being able to fully express ourselves or suppressing our creativity or trying to conform to other people's expectations. And all of that energy just gets blocked and shows up as fibroids, for example, um, shows up as uh, breast cancer and shows up as um, hypothalamic amenorrhea. And of course, all of these conditions have a biological basis, but um, I don't think that anything happens in isolation and that a lot of times we can look at certain patterns and ways that we've dealt with emotions or chosen not to deal with emotions and not feel like we're to blame, but have a bit of an idea of how to move forward. So not being responsible for our condition, but being responsible to the changes that we want to make in the future. I, for example, have um, a chronic condition that's not related to women's health. It's actually most common in um, white males over 40 called ankylosing spondylitis. It's like spinal arthritis. Um, and in Chinese medicine, it's related to being rigid and seeing things in black and white and not moving through life, but just wanting everything to be a certain way all the time. I was you know, a perfectionist through and through um, as many um, minority women are, quite frankly, because we always feel like our self-worth is based around our ability to perform, to please others, um, and that's crippling in itself. So, yeah, you know, I always say to my clients, the body always knows. The mind is great at playing tricks, but the body always knows. And um, speaking, you know, from my personal history, that's how I know that it was time for me to get divorced. Because every time I um, was around my ex-husband, my body just went, Ugh 
know, and my mind was saying, no, I'm married, I have to stay in this relationship, I have a son, da da da. But my body said, nope. And the more that I resisted that, I'm talking chronic pain every single day. What is your zodiac sign? Virgo. <laughs> I knew it. I knew it the second she started talking like that, like rigid. I'm like, oh my God, this is such a Virgo that I'm talking to right now. Well, okay, so I want to talk about physical pain because like you, I had I had a chronic, you know, so-called autoimmune disorder. I don't really like to mm -hmm. label things like the medical industry likes to put labels on things, but it yeah. really was um, a, a spiritual um, a spiritual ailment as much as like changing the diet or going, you know, reducing stress and all these things that you're supposed to do. I realized that there was energy, um, trapped in me, you know, this also could be yes. suppressed emotions, but as, as soon mm -hmm. as I was able to kind of sludge it out, you know, and really like get to the root of it, I also got divorced, um, and went through this whole journey. So, um, let's talk about chronic pain because I feel like to some degree we've either we've all experienced it whether it's like I kind of broke my foot last year and I'm like okay like spirit you want me to slow down what do you need me to know like because it was like super annoying um, but it also could be a, you know an ailment um, people are going through cancer all the time um, even like the grieving process and not understanding why there's certain pain um, so what is so what and I'm so glad you brought up traditional Chinese medicine um, because from what I know from when I went to natural medicine school is that when there's actually like a visible sign, when the, when the, when the symptom is visible, meaning like, ow, my wrist hurts. It's like yeah. already gotten to like a, um, what's it called? Like a severe place. So it's like yeah. when it's in the invisible, like we don't feel the symptom yet. We think like we're fine, but there's actually emotions and things that we can actually see that something's about to show up in the visible and how mm -hmm. to um, like almost course correct so that it doesn't get to that severe place where it actually is visible. Am I making sense? Because this is what I learned yeah. about traditional Chinese medicine. So yeah. what are some tips that those who may or may not have chronic pain, but they know that they're suppressing emotions. They know that they're not asking themselves the right questions. They don't have anyone to talk to. Um, I feel like this is a, this would be a convert. This could be like a whole festival, but what do we do with that information? Cause we all want to be well, we all want to have optimal health. And some of us think we do until one day we don't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and a lot of things can, you know, lie dormant for years uh, until, as you say, they suddenly show up and we've reached that crisis point, which unfortunately is when a lot of people realize, oh, now it's time to act. And um, especially women, I think that a lot of us are used to being in some kind of pain throughout the course of our lives. I mean, pregnancy can be painful, childbirth can be painful, periods pain. Um, you know, I really wish all women could experience um, pain-free periods because that's something that um, so many of my clients just think is normal, you know, to have horrible cramps or to not be able to um, really do very much five days out of the month because they're in debilitating pain. Um, and that in itself, you know, that attitude of, I need to work through this, I need to um, take something to get rid of the pain, um, 
I need to keep up my regular rhythm instead of trying to listen to what my body's trying to say. And, oh, maybe I actually do need to slow down, not just when I have my period, but in general. <laughs> um, but going back to your question, I think the first step is to allow space for emotions to come through, create sacred space, which um, is just on such a short supply this day and age, because we're always connected. You know, the, the average person is always connected to incoming information. So um, to have that time where you're alone in nature, on your meditation cushion, um, however you prefer to kind of isolate yourself, that is um, essential because the first step is just to recognize what emotions there are, which a lot of us, you know, we feel the discomfort and then we think, how can I numb this? Mm. How can I grab food that's going to take it away? How can I scroll through something to take it away? Um, how can I have a glass of wine to take it away? And these behaviors are so normalized that a lot of times we don't even realize that there's another way of doing things. And giving yourself permission to simply sit with your feelings and then self-compassion, having a regular practice of self-compassion is key because a lot of the things that will come up once you start sitting with them are not going to be pleasant. <laughs> They're going to be confronting. And if your judge comes out and says, oh, I don't like that. I don't feel safe right now. Then you're going to try to suppress it even more. On the other hand, if you have this regular practice of self-compassion of just curiosity of, oh, that's come up and not attaching meaning to it, just lovingly holding space for it, then that's huge. Wow. That's, it kind of goes back to Africa saying to be in nature. It's like when exactly. instead of taking that Advil or that glass of wine or whatever, we, you know, is like you said, these normalized behaviors that are very socially accepted. Um, mm. What if we actually confronted it? What if we actually held space for the pain? Um, mm. Knowing that, you know, it's part of us. So instead of like trying to push it down here, which eventually potentially we'll just end up in a chronic ailment anyway. Yeah. It's like, do you yeah. want to deal with it now? Or do you want to deal with it when it's severe, when it actually yeah. is in the visible? Because once it's actually like a physical symptom in traditional Chinese medicine, that's when it's already severe. Like we think as, you know, Americans, Western medicine, like, oh, you got a symptom. Okay, it's time to take care of it. No, no, no. It happens way before that. And it's our emotions. It's the feelings <laughs> that we're pushing down that's actually creating the problem. And I think yes. that's such a new way to look at it. And, you know, with everybody here, which um, welcome to the group, um, Malia, which I'll get to you in just a second. I want to um, have you introduce yourself. But the more that we're able to um, 
feel our feelings, which I'm, I don't even think we've ever talked about this on the Empress Festival. Like not only are we going to be more healthy and vibrant, but um, we can also uh, see our life work right in front of us. We can also um, make changes to it. And as we evolve and go, but I think all those people out there who are trying to figure out what's my life purpose, it's like, well, maybe there's a better question that you could be asking, which is what feelings have I been suppressing, which is preventing me from finding my purpose? Hmm. Yeah. And I think, you know, when you, you mentioned who can I talk to about this? And um, that's when, for me, intuitive writing comes in, you know, in handy because you um, can actually write from your soul to your personality. And if you, you know, look at the womb as the seed of a woman's intuition, you can actually sit and ask your womb, what do you want me to know right now? And be open to whatever comes through. Maybe it's just one word at a time, but um, it's very rare that we find ourselves in conversation with another person who does not trigger our feelings of what are they going to think? Is that okay to say? Um, am I safe right now? And so it's really important as well to be able to write with yourself um, in addition to seeking out those people who will hold space for you, like healers and coaches and you know, women on this um, Empress Festival, all of us. <laughs> I'm sure we're very used to holding space for women in that way. But um, there's a lot that you can do just to um, identify your emotions on your own. I love so you it. know. You're right. How to move forward. We are, we can be our own best friend until, you know, those people and that, that tribe reveals themselves. So if you're feeling misunderstood and you're watching the Empress Festival right now, you know, intuitive writing, um, going out in nature, as we talked about, um, um, having those rituals and just holding space for, for your pain. So thank you so much, Jolinda, for uh, sharing all of that with us. I feel like it's very enlightening. Okay, we're going to talk more about pain here in just a minute because pain to me is a catalyst for actually uncovering why you are here and the work you're here to do. But first I want to um, have Malia Jacobs, close personal friend and club member here at Holistic Fashionista. Please take a moment to introduce yourself, what it is that you do. <laughs> Um, who you do it for, and um, a little bit about your story. Hi, Angel. Hi, other panelists. <laughs> <laughs> My name is Malia Jacobs. I'm a Seattle-based intuitive consultant and badass business mentor for men and women who want to make an impact for purpose and profit. Um, I find myself working with a lot of um, all the genders all the ages, men, women, children, and beyond, uh, including the other side. And I'm, my work is trauma-informed, and I can't explain how it works. All I know is that it feels like I'm a satellite dish, and I get the information, and I relate to the, to the interested party. And with that, I can um, hold space for folks to transcend just about anything, um, including chronic illnesses, chronic pain, things like that, of which I have uh, quite a bit of experience with personally. So that's me in a nutshell. Awesome. Okay, so let's talk about trauma then, because we're already on the topic of pain. Oh, let's. <laughs> let's talk about trauma, because 
trauma, um, you know, is energy. And so I'd love to hear your take on how, um, what to do with trauma and um, what are the first steps in actually um, moving through it? Um, is your belief that, you know, we can move through it? Is it something we just learn to live with? Because I know, you know, with grief, um, sometimes this is not healable and sometimes we have to learn how to live with grief or live with loss. So what is your take on trauma? I think that we can certainly learn to adapt to coping with trauma and not what I mean is not being the solution with it. So we can learn to live with it. Um, but once we're aware that we've experienced trauma and that's what it is. And I think what I find myself doing a lot with the, in my livelihood is doing a fair amount of education. Like clients will say, oh, I, I haven't had any trauma. And it's like, well, trauma is trauma is trauma. If you are, you know, a four-year-old and you stub your toe and mom brushes you off, that's a, an insult in, in a child's mind that's, that gets internalized and then it's somehow our fault and then we created it and so we're small children making up these stories and then the next thing happens and the next thing happens and then personally, I have a whole lifetime of past traumas from physical, emotional, mental, sexual, spiritual, all the traumas. So I think um, a fair amount of education is important. And then deleting all the effects of trauma, the accumulative effects of trauma. I do a um, really powerful and brief uh, form of energy work that uh, speaks to that and is for that purpose alone is to mitigate the effects of trauma. Because uh, I'm sure all the panelists know that the body keeps the score, the body keeps the score, the body keeps the mother effing score, <laughs> whether, whether we like it or not. So I think breathing through all our feelings when they come up <clears throat> is the solution. Excuse me. And we are a culture or nation of shallow breathers and breath holders. And so that's why I'm a big fan of breath work and not just breath work because that's, that could be a one-off. Maybe you do that, you know, once a month or four times a year instead of breathing you know, really shallow or holding our breath, it's that traps all the stuff, the fear, the anger, the shame, the blame, the pain, the trauma, the regret, all that stuff. It just gets holed up in our bodies and then it expresses itself as a physical something. So, or emotional something or, you know, some kind of wound. So I myself was the walking wounded until I was educated, informed, gotten the solution, you know, did all the things and it's an ongoing journey. So that's, I guess, one of my subspecialties and it still does affect me from complex PTSD, which is a whole ball of wax on its own. It's the only kind that's installed when we're children. Um, that's, that's the biggest difference uh, about the origin of complex PTSD and classical PTSD. And I happen to have, you know, been overcoming both of those for a uh, good many years. So trauma is uh, not talked about often enough. It's uh, happening all the time. And one of the things that I'm vehemently against is any kind of trauma against you know the the underdog women children the disenfranchised pre persons of color uh differently abled um pansexual lgbtqia 
that just chaps my ass. So I'm really passionate about getting out there and being unapologetic and speaking my truth with compassion. I'm not here to hurt anyone. I'm here to elevate the consciousness of the planet. And this is one of the ways I do that. So thank you for this platform. Yes. Oh, gosh. So um, I will just say just from my own area of expertise for those who are, you know, new to holistic fashionista that I am a life path astrologer and there's one, um, I guess you could call it a mini planet or an asteroid. It's called this, uh, it's called Chiron, C-H-I-R-O-N. And it is uh, the wounded healer. And we all have Chiron in a specific zodiac sign, which is basically trauma that we brought here when we were born. So it's not necessarily something that our parents did or even anything that's in our timeline from this, this lifetime, but actually something we already came here to work through. And so when we look at this, um, where it is in our chart, like I've kind of asked a few people um, what their sun sign is, but you also have a Chiron sign. And if you really think about trauma, you know, there's going to be certain people that will um, scratch that wound, uh, so to speak. And so um, I would call those in mainstream words, um, triggers. So we're all have the potential to trigger each other um, based on this wound, I have Chiron and Aries. Um, so, you know, anybody that's going to be like hurry me or be abrasive with me, it's going to scratch, it's going to make it bleed. And so someone who's, you know, I'm not saying that everybody needs to understand astrology. I'm giving the metaphor here, but, um, there's going to be people that are going to trigger you throughout your life. So I'd like to continue the conversation about triggers, um, before we go into looking at pain and how it can actually lead us um, to our life purpose. So I'm going to go ahead and call on, um, let's go to Anne. Where'd you go? Where'd you go? Anne, Anne, there you are. Hi. Um, so yeah, I'd love to hear your two cents about triggers. Um, and we'll kind of start there. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I just, I have to say, I love first all of these conversations coming from the collective as a whole, because I swear I could speak, and I think all of us could probably speak on each one of these things. So, um, so triggers for me probably come back up at like as an off of what we were just talking about. Um, sometimes we can think of them as symptoms. Um, I'm immediately drawing from like Jolinda and from Africa and from um, everybody who has spoke on. Um, you know, on things that have hurt us in the past or, or bubble up, um, so to speak, as a symptom. So I was diagnosed with severe adrenal fatigue, which um, I would love even to compare that with um, Malia's like um, complex PTSD, because I think these things are so fascinating, like how they overlap. Um, but triggers actually can come from things that we may not realize. Um, and doing some work on, you know, past life work and, uh, you know, where we can be storing some of these things. There's a huge culture piece. For instance, my husband's German from Germany, and it really, I didn't know a lot about um, the culture piece of triggers until I started dealing with them with him on a, on a very, you know, intimate and direct level. And so his um, one example, you know, that's not in the, the um, only the feminine realm is that his triggers are actually coming from 
his direct parents and grandparents who were all part of um, this, you know, World War II generation, right? And, um, and I think I bring that up because I think a lot of times we think that we come into the world and it's everything in this life experience and things that, you know, maybe we, we just inherit from our environment. But it's also fascinating to me how deep some of these cultural pieces go and some of these spiritual pieces go um, and some of the, you know, the ancestral cities. Yeah. That, um, that really go far into our past and we're dealing with them and we're actually trying to, um, to heal them in this life. And, um, you know, it's such a journey to even uncover those in the first place and let alone and identify those, let alone go ahead and figure out how to heal them. So um, what I like to do with triggers is, is what has been brought up before. Certainly nature, certainly um, breath work is so important. Probably uh, the number one thing for me as a remedy generally um, when I'm working with a client almost in any capacity is connecting to source. And so I feel like connecting to source, whatever that is for you at a very deep level. So, you know, whether you're thinking that God, whether you're thinking that goddess, if source is the right word for you, if you want to just think of it as going deep, deep within yourself, the deepest place of inner work is actually God, goddess to me, but um, whatever that is for you and getting so deeply connected, that is a great place to find out about triggers. It's also a great place to feel triggers. So, um, you know, if I'm taking someone like through a guided meditation or I'm taking someone through um, also womb work or, you know, uh, we do a lot of like going deep or channeling. It's kind of a shamanistic um, type of therapy sometimes that I provide that, um, you know, you have to kind of go into your own inner caves, especially as a woman to understand like what those things are. And it's so interesting because, um, I found that even like smells and touch and sound, um, I used to be a DJ, so I did a lot of sound work and now I'm doing a lot of sound therapy and sound healing. And it's amazing. Um, how we all have these different ways that we actually identify like what's going to set us off. Like for some people, they can't handle noise. This goes back to some of the, um, you know, empathetic or um, sense, super sensitive parts of us, right? Some of us have as empaths, this really, really um, intense aversion to a sense, one type of sense or another. And those kind of things, um, no matter where they come from, those can actually trigger us if we're super sensitive to light, um, you know, especially like women during their, their uh, menstrual cycle. We just have to really, really pay attention to what those kinds of things are um, in order to, to alleviate them. Ugh, I'm like, so many notes here. Well, it's kind of like, like to, when I think about triggers, I think about an emotional response, you know, it's like, oh my gosh. Or in this case, a physical response. Like I was living in this apartment and there was like these two dogs that were like feral and no, the owners never brought them inside and they barked literally 24 seven. And I literally like almost have a panic attack like every single day until I actually had to move. Um, so it, it comes like to be so debilitating these triggers. And again, just to reemphasize, you know, that these, you know, it's not always just this life that we brought trauma from trauma can come from ancestral, you know, we're sharing DNA, 
um, you know, if we're going to get scientific, but just also energetically um, bringing things in. So it's like, we didn't really come in here with like a clean slate, you know, like, it's not like, we like, yeah, we might have had 10 fingers and 10 toes. And, you know, been born healthy, but again, we're still like, you know, there's still like wounds that we came here with. Um, so I want to talk about the subconscious mind because I was actually just having a conversation with my neighbor um, about um, trauma that, um, I'll just, you know, be candid here, um, that wasn't like, it's almost like we couldn't remember a certain trauma until we started to awaken so, you know, once we started to like feel of our feelings, you know, you could be carrying a trauma that's from like, you know, your teens or even be before that and not have any recollection of it. And then maybe in your 20s, you finally like go through this, some kind of spiritual thing happens and it doesn't have to be super specific here, but, um, and then you finally remember something that happened and, you know, you see it a lot you know, on like, um, you know, in politics or TV where people are like, remember, you know, maybe being raped or some tra tragic thing happening as a very young child. And they're like, well, why are you bringing it up now? So the subconscious mind, you know, it's like, it's a database. And so all of this stuff is stored there. So I'm going to go to, um, thank you so much, Anne, for your input here. I'm going to keep going here with Trisha. Um, you know, let's talk about the subconscious mind because I, I think a lot of people, they hear this term and, um, you know, and they relate to it as far as like, you know, manifestations and the feminine and things like that. But the subconscious mind is truly a very powerful um, resource in our, you know, etheric body. And I think when we understand, um, I think we'll be able to better understand ourselves when we realize all of the data that's being stored there. So, you know, what is your um, input ar around the subconscious mind and how it affects us on a daily basis? I feel like it is almost something that needs to be accessed through our intuition. Something that, because we do stuff daily, we get stuck in life and we just go. It's like the busyness of life does not allow us to stop. That is where we pull in nature and that, that time, you know, by, your, by ourselves to just kind of center back in, to connect into the subconscious, to connect into our intuition. And um, I just recently had something where I was talking with a client and there was a lot of fear-based things coming up for her. And I, we were, as we were talking and going through it, I realized this has been like this last week. I was a lot of stuff of fear. Like my, my subconscious was like, here you go. But I was like, well, why is this? Where is this coming from? And I had to stop and start to journal out those feelings to find out what my subconscious was actually trying to show me because we do put blocks up. We do don't want to see it. We don't want to deal with it. We don't want to, um, we're so used to, we're so conditioned to doing the same thing with the same responses over and over again, that when we're actually given another choice, it scares us. It scares the crap out of us. So there was this, this thing that I did myself this last week too, where I was, I was doing it and I stopped and I said to my husband, I'm like, I'm like, oh my God, he's like, you sound like your mother. 
And I just stopped and I was able to say, this is a fear-based response that I have. And I had to, one of the things I actually did, Africa, as I sat in front of my, I sat in my bedroom and I put on Netflix, there was a fireplace with a fire burning. So I connected in, I swear, I connected into the flames and I was, I was asking the questions of what am I here seeing that I'm not willing to see? What needs to be looked at in a way so I can now change my response to create a better response instead of reacting? So I feel like we have to, because our subconscious is a bunch of, it's, it's a bunch of records playing over and over again. We have to stop that record and create a new one. So I, I ended up using the fireplace. I love being out in nature and connecting to the trees because that's real important to me and the beach. But for some reason I needed to, the fire, I felt like it had to burn it up. Mm. So I followed my intuition in watching that and that fireplace actually brought this fear to me. And it was just, this is your mother. You are actually taking a fear. That was your mom's, your ancestry. You took it, you took it on as yours and it has blown up so that you could see it and create a change. Wow. And again, you asked a new question, question. right? You asked a new question. So, you know, as Malia was saying, you know, it's about intuition. So I think I want to now go into, you know, if we're going to start really giving our subconscious mind the attention that it deserves, you know, it's going to activate intuition. And I feel like um, a, a, a good chunk of people, um, especially who are living in fear or um, they're living in chronic pain, they have the suppressed emotions, um, they don't know their purpose. Um, often it's because they, um, I just lost what I was going to say. Um, often it's because they're still playing a repeating uh, record over and over in their head. And if you think about how that repetition is the most fastest way or one of the, not fastest, but it's one of the ways that we can reprogram the subconscious. But I feel like intuition has to do, well, we first have to make sure, I don't know if we have any chakra experts here, but we have to make sure that the root chakra is cleared. It's unblocked because if you're always coming from a place of survival, I don't feel safe. Like, you know, that is going to prevent you from trusting your intuition or not even understanding what, like when intuition actually shows up. So um, thank you so much for sharing that, Trisha. I'm gonna, I just wanna see, does anybody wanna raise their hand to talk about the root chakra if you have um, any area of expertise around the chakras? Okay, well, that's no big deal. Um, I will share, did somebody, okay, Jolinda. I'm like, I know somebody knows something about the fruit chakra here. <laughs> You're wearing red. So is I <laughs> It's one of my brand colors for a reason. <laughs> it really? Okay. Um, but I think what you just brought up about the root chakra being, you know, it, that, that is our uh, sense of safety and stability. But what I think that a lot of people um, discount is the, and you know, as we're also, we mentioned a bit of the masculine, but the routine, you know, so repetition can um, feel, often feel oppressive, but a lot of my clients want to be so fluid that they um, rebuke routine. But it's in these daily rituals 
that we create a sense of safety. But a lot of us weren't parented with safety and security, and, or at least not in a way that felt safe and secure to us. You know, some of my clients cling to the sense of safety, but they don't realize that it's not being um, suppressed. You know, that there is also a possibility to feel safe and free at the same time. But coming back to these things that are nurturing, these things that you can expect throughout your day to reset and refuel um, very nourishing to the root chakra. And if you can also connect with your body and not just live from the neck up, because that's another thing that we, we often forget to drop into the body and stretch and not just exercise because we want to look a certain way or, you know, what I hate is burn calories. You know, that's one of the things that makes me vomit, but <laughs> um, you know, how are you processing all of this energy? Because if you're not moving, it's staying in there. Mm. And especially, you know, throughout the menstrual cycle, um, I'm someone who experiences um, premenstrual dysphoric disorder. And the, one of the biggest ways that I've learned to manage my symptoms is through daily movement because that's how I can control the anxiety and that's how I can get myself out of the depression every time. Um, and so, yes, working with your body instead of discounting what it's trying to say, creating that daily routine and rituals that um, make you feel safe and secure within yourself instead of constantly looking for it elsewhere. And um, just, yeah, creating that space that space in your day to be who you need to be. It's funny because you know the saying, um, running around with your head chopped off? Well, I always make a joke. I'm like, no, people aren't running around with their head chopped off. They're running around with their body chopped off. Like they're so in their mind, you know? And so, you know, this concept of repetition, which I love, replacing old habits that are no longer serving you, like that glass of wine every night or like that, you know, whatever you're doing that's, you know, suppressing what's actually happening, actually replacing it with a, a new ritual or a new tool. Because uh, repetition is one of the easiest ways, you know, it's not the only way by any means to reprogram the subconscious mind. So if you don't have like a morning ritual, not mm -hmm. just drinking your coffee and, and rushing off, you know, in the car and, you know, not taking time for yourself, not that ritual, but the one that where you actually like wake up and you take your time and, and making that a habit that already starts to reprogram. You know, mm -hmm. you think about the drive to work, you know, so we're all doing that subconsciously. You know, if you are driving to work, my commute is very short, it's into the next room. But for those who are driving, you know, it's like you're taking the same route, but what if you took a different route? You know, you might get lost, you know, and then you might be more stressed out. But what you're doing is you're creating a new groove, your new neural pathway in your brain to help you activate these these new different um, these different levels of consciousness. So I feel like repetition is huge here. Um, I know some of us uh, started talking about fear. Um, dreams also, I think, are really important. But uh, one of the things I want, thank you so much, um, 
Jolinda for sharing that. Um, for I want to do, I know we haven't done it yet, and I actually want to also get into like life purpose and business stuff since we have so much amazing talent hit talent there. But I want to talk about vocabulary because I feel like you and all of us are kind of talking and we're like, we kind of get it um, as far as like the language, but we've kind of dropped a few words and I've been taking some notes here. So I kind of want to go around and just um, start to um, inform those who are not really familiar, like you know, I know um, Temple of Isis, uh, Modern Priestess, Kundalini, like um, there's all of these like words, the divine feminine um, that are spiritual terms. And it's a language that we've all kind of like learned to speak. But I remember personally several years ago, like hearing these words and just being like, really? Like, what's that? You know? And so I kind of want to like bring attention um, to the verbiage because it's very important information just in the word. So I'm going to start with Lisa because she talked about Kundalini and, um, you know, obviously I'm sure some people have heard about, um, you know, Kundalini yoga, you know, then there's the Kundalini experience. So, um, Lisa, what is your, um, definition just for those out there who don't really understand what Kundalini is? What is your definition of that? Hmm. Wow. Well, Kundalini and Kundalini awakening, um, I, I feel a, a, a different, you know, I, when I had my Kundalini awakening, um, I did, I turned to a Kundalini yoga teacher, um, but, but actually over time, it wasn't even that long, probably over about three weeks when, when I got to more in depth and more, more, um, more insightful information, I realized that just because somebody teaches Kundalini yoga doesn't mean they know anything about Kundalini awakening. I mean, in many cases, um, they actually don't, you know, not from a, not from a real visceral perspective. So my understanding Oh, I could do a whole seminar on this. <laughs> there are actually whole seminars on this. My understanding of a Kundalini awakening is that um, there are different sorts of awakening. Some of them are top down, but the Kundalini awakening is bottom up. So, so that means it's coming from the root chakra um, and the Kundalini energy is like our life force energy. Um, so to a degree, you know, it's like our chi, our prana, it's, it's, it's keeping us alive, but then it, it can get activated to a point where it takes on a very different role. So you can get that, that Kundalini energy can get activated and then go dormant, activated and then go dormant. And that's what happened with me to start with. I had a huge activation. So you'll feel a Kundalini awakening. One of the main symptoms is that it starts with this rushing of energy from the root upwards. Um, that's it. It's what I'm saying. Bottom up, you know, and you can really, really feel that. Um, Kundalini energy also has it. It's like our sexual life force. So it also has a sexual quality to it. So when my first activation started it was uh, it, what shocked me because I was in a, a meditation um, intensive training and I was on the fourth day of the training and I was surrounded by people and it was because there was a was a, almost like an orgasmic quality to what was going on not not erotic but an orgasmic quality to what was going on you know that's really what what partly what got the fear going because I was just like, what's going to happen to me next? You know, I'm in this room of people and I'm losing control. There's a, there's a, there's a lot of got <laughs> to be said, you know, because people out there will have these experiences and will will wonder. So um, 
that I think probably what's quite key with the Kundalini awakening is that aspect of out of control. It's I'm losing control and, and we, we can't really control it. It sort of chooses us. So you get, you, you can get your activations, which can, um, I mean, you might say even in, in meditations, we're activating Kundalini, you know, and a lot of people will get, they'll, they'll feel really high vibe or they'll get an inner vibration. They might get some twitching, a little bit of movement, um, feeling sort of electrified. So I guess that is Kundalini activation. The awakening itself um, is, I mean, mine came a couple of years after the, the activations and a, and a two year of, of a sort of latent condition called Kundalini syndrome, where I was getting a lot of symptoms of the energy, a lot of rising energy. Felt like, it used to make me quite nauseous actually, because it was like a reverse peristalsis going on at my up my digestive system so it would always make me feel like I was going to be sick because it was so powerful coming up here and then it got trapped in my head a lot a lot of cracking and popping really really loud tinnitus sort of cosmic like the sound of the cosmos in your in your head is how it sounded um so I had but that wasn't the awakening so I had about two years of that oh wow yeah and then the awakening itself um, as I said, produced, started to produce that movement. And that's another key symptom is a lot of what they call the Kriyas. So the Kriyas, um, as I said, a lot of movements, so very yogic movement and mudras. Um, it, you can sound, um, you might get emotional releases. Um, you get bandas, so you get muscle locks, um, all sorts of things like that. So it is, it's another level of the loss of control, if you like, um, and it really does require surrender. Um, so my understanding is, as I touched on before, it is your own divine bespoke um, version of what you need in this lifetime. You know, like we said, we've got ancestral stuff that we've brought forth. We've got past life incarnations we've brought forth. Um, so everybody's unique expression of it will be different. For me, there was a lot of movement. So there was a lot of the Kriyas. Um, not so emotional. So a lot of people get very, very strong emotional careers are very, 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 become very sensitive, just to go loop back to where we started, become very, very sensitive in their emotions. So I wasn't so much affected like that. But um, I think with, with the way that it happened for me with the movement, because it, it had such force to it, and because it was so odd, you know, because it was part of me questioning, am I possessed, you know, is this demonic? Um, I, you know, I had to, I, I went down the route of researching all of that and that's what gave me some, some comfort. Um, mm. but it really did require because obviously it was very physical. So if I was going out to a, to an event or going, certainly going out to anything like a spiritual gathering, um, it would all come through really, really powerfully. You know, it would, it would to the point where I couldn't really disguise it. I, I could perhaps keep my arms still, but I couldn't, you know, I couldn't stop my body moving. So it, I was isolated with that. Um, therefore, I did do a lot of research on it. And, and I, that's why I said I had to develop that ritual, that ceremony with myself to allow that to come through. You know, I mean, I must have had about three or four online mentors, not that, not one-to-one, -one, but just people that I was going to on YouTube or whatever. I think they saved my sanity. Really, you know, I, I owe them my sanity because um, Twitching has definitely saved my sanity. And yeah, you know, because um, it, it's such an odd thing, and and many people um, haven't really experienced the Kundalini awakening. And, and I, I mean, I actually went to, um, I started to sort of step out a little bit after about a year, 
and I went to what, what was a shamanic ceremony. I didn't even realize at the time. I just thought it was a beautiful gathering of women and we were dancing around and, and drinking the cacao. It was before pre-shamanic for me, so I, I wasn't so educated. But I went there and, and I felt like um, I could be myself. I felt like, because when the music came on and we were doing the dance, which was supposed to be intuitive, I was doing all sorts, you know, I'd go into my animal, I'd be on the floor, I'd be all sorts. But I felt like I was well held. I felt like it was sort of okay. And it really, really helped me. I actually found out from a soul sister who became a really, really close friend um, that the facilitator was looking at her and looking at me and rolling her eyes and raising her eyebrows. You know, I found this out afterwards, after I'd felt safe. And, um, you know, it makes me realize that, that, the, the you know the, the, way, the way that I was and the way that I am it's come very much through in my work now my work is very much movement and I'm actually out there putting channeling videos out there now you know but I've really really come a long way in my ability to to just hold it and go well you know this is authentically me and this is how um this is how my spiritual process looks it's how my spiritual evolution and the evolution <laughs> yeah you know but, I uh, want to stop you there because I think that in itself is a great segue into being comfortable with yourself. So like even no matter where we are in our spiritual journey, our spiritual path, it's always going to go back to like, am I comfortable with being me? Like you were comfortable, you know, dancing around or crawling around on the ground, but you were still almost being judged still, even though you thought you were in a safe place. And the most important journey, and that's why astrology has truly transformed my life, because once I understood oh, that's why I act that way because I have all the Scorpio in my chart or this is the way that I respond to these triggers because I have Chiron in Aries and it's going to be this wound. And the second that you literally like have this blueprint, so to speak, you know, with especially with the birth chart or just in general, if you're going through an awakening, it's like the second that you are like, this is who I am. And I'm not saying like, oh, too bad. That's just how I am. I'm not that. That's not the energy I'm talking about. I'm talking about getting to a point where like um, you are unapologetically um, you. And if someone doesn't like that, you know, that is on them. It, it, as long as I'm okay with me, then everyone else's opinion about how I'm behaving, I don't expect, I don't need you to understand I don't need to, we don't need to be best friends, you know, and I, and I want to talk to you, Trisha, because of the highly sensitive person, it's like the more sensitive you become, you almost feel like it's like a curse to feel all those things, but really you might just have a lot of water in your chart and you might always be one of those people who feels things more deeply or more intuitively than most people. But once you realize that that's like, that's you. Like that's your cosmic makeup of like who you are. It's very empowering. And I feel like within that knowing of who you are, you know, going through that spiritual process, it actually just leads you naturally to your divine path, to your soul's work, to attracting the people that you're here to serve. So um, I, I want to talk to you, Malia, first um, about, um, you know, potentially, uh, Oh, let me make sure. More is always revealed. Who just said that? More is more. Do I have everybody muted? I'm just making sure. Yeah. 
Okay, so you, do you see where I'm going with this as far as like being so comfortable? Like it's like there's no more apologies about who you are. And it's also no, you're no longer care. I mean, Lisa's a perfect example. Like she didn't, like if, if that person me, that's fine because this is who I am and I'm comfortable with that. So let's, let's continue the conversation here around that subject, please. I, I, I know we're all projecting our own stuff all the time. So remember the other person is you. I forget whose quote that is. It's a yogi, somebody, I ought to know this. I just was talking about this last week. Uh, the other person is you. So we get that mirrored back to us. So if I've got a problem with somebody doing something, 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 well, who has the problem? I have the problem. <laughs> if I have a problem with something or somebody or the way they did that or the way that they said that, then that's in my hula hoop. I get to maintain the integrity of my perimeter, make sure my side of the street's clean and they do them. I just stay in my lane. I do me. And I could be of higher and holier service staying in my lane, doing my thing, being impeccable with my word, not taking things personally and be more impactful on the planet and effective and affecting change and leaving legacy than I can by getting in a pig pen with somebody else or dinking around um, trying to fix somebody else's uh, problems or dinking around with people, places, and things. The things that we don't have any control over. We do have control over our ability to respond or which is for me a responsibility um, rather than being reactionary to what is going on with them. So to me, that's just good boundaries. And as a highly sensitive person who's also a high sensation seeker, which means I'm easily bored. Um, and I wonder I, where Gemini is in your yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My brother's Gemini. I don't know where Gemini is in my chart, but I'm a Leo and my moon is in Aries. Shocker, I know. <laughs> Well, it's interesting, um, too, what I'm hearing is what you're saying is mirror work, you know, like everybody's a mirror. So if somebody's having a problem with you, guess what? They have a problem with that part of themselves. Yeah, and bless them, you know, like bless the person that cut me off on the highway. I don't know if they're going to the trauma center for their child to, but if they flip me off, then <laughs> bless them. Bless everything without exception. That's my one of my cardinal rules, the other one is um, zero complaining for 30 days in a row. And if you, you know, mess up on one day, then you get to start over. And then pretty soon it becomes a lifestyle. <laughs> and my, my definition of complaining may be different. It's griping to someone who's not in a position to do anything about it. So, I mean, if my small self is popping off with, to, to my mister about somebody doing something, something, that's not the person who's going to, help me be in the solution because I ought to be talking to the other person. So again, like not triangulating, having good boundaries. And I think this comes from a background of chemical dependency counseling and um, learning a lot of these things the hard way. Thank you. Don't want to do that anymore. <laughs> so it's this life experience paired with our traumas, paired with um, the stuff that we've brought through from past lives or ancestors and things that, that, that if we're able to decode um, what all of those um, experiences mean, I believe that what, what transpires is um, a service 
um, to mankind, how we can be of service. So with the spiritual awakenings and the traumas and all this life experience that we've lived to this, to this day, you know, to me, there's, um, there's things that we're able to be of, of service to other people. So I want to spend the next, you know, 30 minutes or so of the festival really talking about life purpose, um, building businesses around the purpose. And so I'm just going to kind of go around. Um, let me make sure I'm going to start with you, um, Africa. Um, as far as like, you know, finding your life path and turning it into a business, what was that experience like for you? Oh, wow. Okay. So <laughs> finding my life path, I, I, it seems like it gets unveiled little by little. Um, literally, I think earlier I was talking about peeling back an onion. I call it stepping into your becoming. It's like you only know so much about that next quantum leap uh, that you want to make um, in your life. And then once you get there, you have other experiences, uh, definitely a different vantage point, and you see something else. And it might not be the direction that you intended to go in the first place. And I think that really typifies <laughs> me finding my life purpose. Um, I've bounced around um, through a lot of things uh, and my, I think we all have like a safety blanket that we really enjoy. Um, mine was education. So I always say that I'm overeducated uh, because I just went back and I would get scared and I'd go and get another degree and I'd get scared and I'd go get another degree. <laughs> so for me, that's what it kind of kept jumping backward and forward, but I started to see a rhythm and, or what I should say a string and I think that's what you start to see through your experiences is there's something that pulls them all together and for me it was always that people came to me with their problems always even in high school I had a guy draw a comic strip about how people would come to me like I was I, I like the person up in the mountaintop and people would just line up and come to me and I would help them get to a solution. And so I realized that was a constant thread throughout my life. And I've been coaching my whole life. And so it's like my life purpose was always there. I didn't see it because I didn't see it as something um, valuable because it was something that I just did. Right. And I think for a lot of people, when they come upon their life purpose, uh, at least this has been my experience. It's something they've always done. And so they take it for granted. It doesn't seem like a big deal. Um, but it really is in high service to other people. And in essence, your entire life prepares you for it. Um, there can be the certifications and all of that good stuff, right? But it's still your actual life experiences prepares you for whatever it is your life purpose is. Um, whether you recognize it or not. I love it. One of the things um, in astrology is your rising sign, and which is how other people see you, which I always share um, in my podcast, um, like path astrology, is that, you know, the way other people see you, it's kind of like a natural gift that you have, but it's something that someone else wants for themselves. So I always use the silly example, like anytime I see like a girl walking around the street, like, and she's got beautiful hair, I'm like, oh, her hair is so beautiful. And I know 
like is the second I think it, I'm like, it's because I want beautiful hair, you know? So it's like, the, again, mirrors, you know, going back to mm-hmm. this concept of mirrors that we are all reflections of each other and the desires that we have. So a lot of times, and I don't know if this has been true for you, uh, Africa, or just for the rest of you guys, that when you see somebody like doing something and you're like enamored, like a, for example, like I would just sit around and like watch tarot readings like constantly. I never thought in a million years that I would be reading tarot, but it was just something that like, I was so like loving everything about like the whole concept and the, even falling in love with the people that were reading and all that stuff. And then it was like, every time you love something, it's like what you're really doing is loving that thing about you. So like you love that someone's courageous or you love that they're beautiful. It's like, actually, those are the things you love about yourself, but you just haven't like, you know, changed the dial slightly so that actually the focus now is on you. So, um, you know, when you realize that you were um, someone that everybody went to for advice, you know, when did you finally say, okay, well, then I think I'm going to run with that and make it part of my business. Absolutely by accident. Um, I was, I was in the finance industry at the time, um, which I served in for like a decade. And someone said I was helping them set up their business. So I was doing business coaching, so to speak at that time. I was helping her set up her business and she's like, I really want you to coach my husband and I, I didn't even know what coaching was. So um, I said, what do you need? And, and she kind of mentioned some issues they were having. And then it ballooned from there to where I was now working with the entire company that she had. And so that's really how I got started, how I actually learned about coaching as a profession. I'm like, this is what I love. But I, I want to bring up something, Angel, uh, back to what you said about seeing it in someone else and realizing this is what you want to do. I would also say... The other huge transformation I went through when I said another vantage point is looking at the things that I perceived that I loved that were taboo Mm. and bringing that part out um, and integrating that into what I did. So for me, there was fear even attached to it. Well, you know, there was tons of fear attached. So for me, integrating into my business coaching, which to me is what has made it more robust, is the intuition, is the tarot, is the astrology, is bringing in all those ritual elements that I kept very, very hidden. But by weaving all that together, it's really what I've seen help my clients go further faster. It's been amazing. And standing out as a light. Yeah. I mean, I think that's also a a huge topic in itself is being like, okay, well, these are the things that I'm interested in. These are my gifts, but then it it takes that one extra step to be like, I'm actually going to put it out in the world. So I'm going to go to you. Thank you, um, Africa, for your two cents on that. I really appreciate your input there. So Tricia, um, you know, how did you, did you ever have a problem with putting yourself in the limelight and like bringing your gifts and as you know that interesting combination of your intuition your your hard skills your soft skills and actually being like okay this is me and then and putting it out there oh god yes (laughs) um i god it was 12 years ago i i remember hearing reiki 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 and i'm like oh i guess i need a reiki session and i was like no 
So I said, okay. And from there I became, I went on this path of energy healing and becoming a Reiki master of three different modalities and IET and access consciousness and it ballooned. And I was like, oh my God, nobody understands this. Nobody gets this. It's like, um, my family thought it was, you know, crazy, woo woo. Let's not talk about this because it's, you know, forget the religion piece to all this. And I just kept going and going. And the one thing I just recently brought in was tarot. And that's, you know, and it's, I found that the more I listen to my intuition, you know, and of course there's so many pivotal pieces that bring us to our life passion. You know, my empath gifts exploded. They, all the years that I refused to feel anything, all the years I held all my emotions down and people told me I was oversensitive. I was crazy. I was stopped being so, um, you know, stop letting all these emotions get you. And it, it exploded. So I had to learn to deal with all these emotions coming up and then understand they weren't mine. Mm. And then deal like deciphering what was mine and what wasn't. And it was all of these paths and our meltdowns actually, in my case, showed me my path. And then the physical aspect came into it with breast cancer. And then from there I got like, um, I, they couldn't even figure it out if it was psoriasis, allergy, it was all over me. The only place it wasn't was my face. <laughs> and it was learning how to cope, learning how to completely come out again and stop ignoring those pieces of myself that wanted to be heard. Stop ignoring those pieces of myself that said, you need to heal the world with this. You need to help empaths. You need to bring the tarot. You need to do these things to help other people. And it was all of these pieces and all these things that I learned that, you know, I could not find, like I was looking for people who did a holistic method for, for breast cancer. Nobody did anything holistically. So it was like walking that path and then starting, people would come to me and ask me because I would post it out on social media and people are like, what are you doing? And I'm like, because if I'm doing it, I know other people are scared to share. They're scared to go down this path. And I have people coming to me because they, they said, what did you do? How did you do it? You know, how did you handle, you know, I put a post, they think about it would itch so bad. I, I bought a brush, a wire brush to scratch. And people are like, how did you handle that? What did you do? These are the things I did. These were the foods I changed. So it was a matter of being all out there, being willing to share all of these secrets that nobody wanted any, don't tell anybody because that's embarrassing. Don't share this because nobody, no, they do need to know. Because if I'm going through it, so are they. If I'm feeling like I'm crazy, somebody else out there is feeling like they're crazy. If I'm overwhelmed emotionally because the planets are changing or because there's a collective consciousness issue, I can affect other people and help them with the same exact thing. You know, you kind of realize, I mean, I'm now seeing the whole progression of what this conversation turned into today. And it's like, everybody kind of jumps the gun of like, what's my purpose? 
But I feel like the better question here is what emotions have I been suppressing? Because it's the foundation. If I can get to the place where I am asking myself better questions, I'm taking my time, I'm spending time in nature, I'm looking at what I'm eating, I'm, you know, doing the ceremonies and the rituals, and I'm having, um, you know, all of these different things happen to me, like that's the foundation. So the path, the purpose isn't going to be revealed until you stop like suppressing the fear until you reprogram the subconscious mind. I feel like everyone's like looking for that, that magic pill of what's like for someone to tell them what's my purpose. That's not the first step. The first step is where are you like still pushing it all down? You still have all these band-aid solutions, the drinking at night or whatever it is, like not committing, scared of relationships or all of those things are just symptoms of why you haven't found your path. And it's like, until you actually, what was it? Create the sacred space, you know, um, being okay by yourself and having those routines that you do every day that are healthy routines. Eventually, and according to Trisha and everybody else is sitting here, it's like the path gets revealed, right? Uh, Africa found the red thread that, that combined everything else. You know, you start seeing things that you admire in other people because that's actually what you admire about yourself. So, but you wouldn't be able to see it through that lens. It's kind of like, um, like for instance, like say somebody wants to grow their business to like a million dollars. Well, you don't know Well, you don't know. So I could, like somebody could tell you, okay, well, the way you make a million dollars is that you just have to be so confident in who you are. Okay, what if it was like that simple? And people are like, well, um, well, what other secrets do you have? It's like, no, what if that was the secret? But you wouldn't understand the level of complexity that that simple statement carries in order to see the end goal. And I think that's the thing. We think everything is like complicated. Like we have to like do, you know, skip around to the moon in, in order to solve a problem. But what if it really was as simple as, what, what emotions am I suppressing today? What, you know, what subconscious limiting beliefs are still keeping me in the merry-go-round? What past traumas have I, have I not been um, looking at? Or who in my life is actually scratching my wound, which is triggering me every single time? Like, what if that, if that, be, like, I felt like spiritual development and self-growth is the key from the universe to give you to help you find your life path, but you can't skip steps because, you know, in this 3D realm, we are taught that if we go to, we go, we get good grades, we go to a good college and get a good job, like everything's been planned out. But in the spirit realm and on a soul level, we aren't actually given the, the blueprint. You know, we're given keys, but you actually have to, you get one key at a time, which opens one door at a time. And I think that's the scary part for people because we have to reprogram the way that we get to a goal. And usually it's like, but I need to see what's going to, I don't know what's going to happen if I did that. Well, then I guess you're never going to know because you've got to walk through the door in order to get to the next door and the next door. So you can't, these people that are selling the like, you know, make a million dollars and all that stuff. It's like, but you have to, you have, it's sequential, you know, there's this sequence, you know, so I'm going to call on, let's go to um, you, Malia. What is, let's just continue this conversation. We've got about 15 minutes left. And I feel like this is like, this is what people need to hear because there's, there's just no quick fixes here. 
I love it because this is my, my high holy purpose on the planet. This is what I'm most lit up about. This is what my, um, yeah, purpose and uh, helping women entrepreneurs that are online service-based entrepreneurs uh, scale and uh, clearing away the clutter. <laughs> and it starts here and providing uh, tools, these kinds of tools, mindset tools, practical tools, and the infrastructure to uh, evolve into, it's a term called an entrepreneur. You, I'm sure most of you have, might, have, might have heard of it. Um, an entrepreneur is someone like myself and y'all. We have um, this deep desire to be involved in the spiritual evolution, the, the inner job, the inner work that we do. And then we want to make a livelihood out of that. So that's what I help other women do is do the same thing I've done is create this really robust livelihood out of doing and sharing all the things, that, all the things, <laughs> all the things that light us up. And um, Africa, you totally nailed it. All the stuff that we take for granted. It's like, oh, everybody knows that. No, they don't. They don't. So when I first start to work with the uh, clients, I ask them to write down the like 15 to 20 of your interests, passions, hobbies, and pursuits. And then we will look at next time we talk, we will look at those interests, passions, hobbies, and pursuits. And then how you can like people go from like, think it's, it's A to Z, right? And it's A to B to C. That's it. It's so simple. I often say, do not be deceived by the simplicity of this, you know, A to B to C. Um, it's, it's, it's not linear. It, it goes all over the place. There's a feeling attached to it, but the detachment is where I personally, and I've seen with clients and their clients and so on and so forth, the, um, the effect of, we're just so powerful. I want to be mindful that I'm choosing the right ones. Um, a lot of times folks think that the solution is outside of ourselves or it's out there. When I get this, then I will. It's like, no, it's all we have is right now. This morning's gone. That's an illusion. Tonight's not, that's not in existence yet. I mean, aside from the multiverse and I'm everywhere all at once or we're, we're all connected and all that jazz. Um, it starts right here. And I get to be the epicenter of abundance, peace, poise, vitality, wholeness, and then when I radiate that, uh, not consistently, because that's not sustainable, but I get to insulate my mindset, elevate my thoughts, and then radiate my message, and then repeat that. So it's not a, I'm not radiating all the time. I'm doing the inner inside job. I love that stuff. I love waking up at 4 a.m., making my bulletproof coffee, and doing my magical miracle morning, and journaling, and mindset work, and declarations, and inspired, co you know, copywriting, and content creation, and all that stuff. So it's, I, I wish there would have been a high school guidance counselor that would have said, hey, Malia, <laughs> the, the, you can grow up to be doing what I am doing today. I probably, A, would not have believed that person. And then B, I, I, there was nothing to get me from where I was there to where I am now. They're just, I, I got to go on this very circuitous, sometimes very painful and crunchy and awful and ecstatic. It was all the things. It was all the 
human experience of life. And I, I don't want to be robbed of that. And I don't want to take that away from somebody else. I was just talking to one of my um, friends. We kind of mastermind together and she's about to give birth to her third child. And I was seeing the gender and I was like, do you know the gender? And she said, no, no, no. We want to find out, you know, at the time. And I was like, oh, great. She's like, you see it, don't you? And I was like, you know, but I'm not going to tell you. And I wouldn't take that. I wouldn't rob her of the opportunity of that exquisite experience. So I, yeah, again, boundaries, like there's that fine line of like what, what to share and what not to share. Um, to, because I don't want to take that away from someone. I want to set someone up for success, long-term sustainable success, and then they can go out there into the world. So I, what I like to do is fast track that, you know, I'm 51 years old. <laughs> I've been doing this for like 25 years. I've learned the easy way, the hard way, the, all the ways in between. And now I like to take, uh, help the lives of other women and fast track them, shaving years off of that upward trajectory because we don't have to spin around in circles chasing our tails. There's, there's information at our fingertips. There's people like ourselves on this panel. There's Angel. There's, there's the inner core council people, the true blue, you know, people that it takes a village. And for me to be vertical and up and running and be, being of service, that takes a lot. That takes a lot. Yeah. Of, you know, helpers and support people. And I outsource, I outsource everything to the universe and everything else. I, I generally outsource everything except what's in my zone of genius. Thank you, Gay Hendricks, for that term. <laughs> Beautiful. Well, I think you touched on um, several things here, one being time and, um, you know, us wanting, you know, some people wanting to hurry the process. And um, as long as you're willing to do that inner work, I feel like that's the fast path to speeding things up. It's not necessarily um, how much more can I do today to make it happen faster. It's how, what quality of questions can I ask myself internally in order to be revealed these new portals within ourselves. because the more you know yourself the easier it's going to be to be given a key to the next door and the next door so um i want to call on ann here thank you so much malia um and just kind of like get some final thoughts from everybody because you know i know everybody is and you know i think everybody in this planet on some level like knows that they are here for a divine purpose um finding that divine purpose might seem um convoluted it might seem complicated but when you actually really do get down to it it's actually very simplistic but it actually takes you knowing yourself um to actually get that key so what was it for you and um that really led you down like you know helping people heal and in this regard around business around their life purpose um and and what started you on this journey to understanding your divine gifts such a great question. Um, I think like so many other people have said, uh, it goes, it can go way back and it can be recent. So it's a, it's a constant evolution and a constant rechecking in for me. So as a kid, um, I was already meditating. I didn't know it because I would get in trouble at school for daydreaming. So I remember sitting in third grade and sitting in the front row and um, sitting Mrs. Eversman with my teacher. 
and sitting in the desk and it was gorgeous outside. It was like absolutely stunningly beautiful. I'm sure every kid wanted to go play, but my mind was on the sky. So I could see the clouds through the window. I could see the blue sky. And I remember, um, obviously I was aware, I could already um, reach that point that I was aware of what was going on around me, but my mind and my mind's eye was in the sky because I, it was so, um, it was so breathtaking. It was so, it was such a, um, a joy already to be connected to that. So I was doing what I was, what anyone else would have called daydreaming. And that's what I got in trouble for doing. And, um, and so when I kind of woke up from this, and, uh, and the whole class had followed the instructions of the teacher. And the teacher had obviously said something along the lines of everybody put all your books and your pencils and your crayons and your everything under your desk. And, um, and then, you know, the person who wins gets whatever. And I was still staring into space with my pencil and the little pencil holder. Um, and she was like, Annie, wake up, wake up, you know? Um, so she, she didn't get whatever the prize is. Obviously you need to focus. But um, so that I think looking back, that was like one of the first things that really talking about triggers, the things that I remember most distinctly about already having something inside me that was wanting to um, surface and wanting to come out. And then, um, you know, just just other things throughout my life, you know, Africa touched on it, um, Malaya touched on, you know, um, finding, you know, things that are uh, maybe um, not in your face, but kind of are the, those lulls or those things that um, keep coming back to you as, as you know, areas um, of joy or, uh, you know, things that keep resurfacing, like art and music were always something that were huge for me. Um, and I dabbled in a lot of that growing up and dabbled in them in a way that always felt like everybody treated things as a hobby that was artistic or musical or creative. And um, those things wouldn't make money, right? So my father was an organic chemist PhD. And so I grew up with this super brilliant, he was also wonderful um, in so many ways, but super brilliant in one area of science. And so he would always come back to, you've got to get your degree. You have to make sure you go to a good school you want to make sure you do like math or science, right? And here is this dreamy kid who's totally artistic, who is musically inclined, who I could understand his language, um, but talking about signs, so I'm an Aquarius with a Leo moon and a Gemini rising, I was totally, you know, just following my thing. And I think um, realizing when I, when I started um, to, to take tests for law school, when I got into medical school, like all of these different points in my life that it was almost there because I had the skills for it, I, or I had the language for it, or I was told I was supposed to do that. Um, there was something always that wasn't quite quenched. So there was always like that thing that it was like, oh, well, I'm doing all these things, but it's not quite combining it together into the one thing. And so when I found out about, um, you know, soul's work and activations and grid work, that was within the last 10 years. And that's when I finally came full circle and was like, oh, there's an intuitive power out there that's in, within me, certainly, 
but um, there's something else out there that is actually going to guide me. There's something else out there that is like, you know, we've referenced it here a million times. It's kind of already in your face, like this, the things that you love, the skills, the, the things that you're drawn to. It was really a profound statement, I think, that you said, Angel, about, um, you know, the hair or, or seeing something significant in another person. And it's really what you're longing for in you, right? Like a real, a real wish. And so I think um, dabbling in all these other things was my way of figuring out, well, it's true that I have these gifts, um, but in the work that I do now, what I find is helpful to most of my clients is that um, you can be drawn to a gift because the part of the soul's um, manifesting your soul's work like system, it's kind of like a chakra system for the soul. So our soul has its own chakra system and it's just energy. So if that's not part of the language that you're in, it's just energy. And so our soul's makeup or our soul's design actually has these little areas that almost like go in a line, you know, like our spine does or our, our chakra system does. So when we're um, paying attention or when we're actually nourishing each one of those pieces within our soul, that's when our soul can align to the correct gift. Mm. And again, for me, like um, I was gravitated towards my second and third gifts and not my superpower gift. And the superpower gift is what I like to share with people as being the gift that you really want to align to if you're going to really fulfill your soul's purpose or your soul's work. Um, because, you know, people like my dad can tell you, you know, you're good at this. You're good at math. Oh, go and do math. And then you go down that route. And then, you know, 10, 15 years later, you're like, I feel horrible. I want to puke going to work. I can't do it anymore. I'm actually physically sick. I, you know, it's like all these things are coming up because you did kind of do something that was in your line, but it wasn't at the top of your line. It was like in there somewhere because somebody else said that you should do it. So um, I don't know if I answered the original question because I went off a little bit, but I could talk about this stuff for hours because it really is about finding those little pieces where you are totally in tune and totally in line with your highest gifts. And then your second gift and your third gift is like a life challenge. And those you can do and have fun and really appreciate um, being close to or see in someone else. Um, but if you're aligning to them, your life can be like you're on the hamster wheel, like you're working so hard and you're not quite getting it, or you're trying to manifest, you know, um, money or abundance, and you're not fully able to access it, even though you're doing all the things to bring it in. So um, I think when I started doing the soul's work in that way, I started seeing how to, to align and connect those and then help other people connect them. So they were actually on the right path. Well, thank you for that. What, what I just was, uh, got from that is, you know, and actually kind of goes back to what we were talking about with the root chakra. And now they are kind of talking about the soul and it has these other activation points. And so, you know, you think as children, um, or even as adults, you know, um, what do we do to get love, you know? But that's almost like the root chakra part of your purpose. You know what I mean? It's like the, it's like 
if that part, like we're all like doing things, whether it's like, oh, I launched a new program, like it gives you a sense of fulfillment, you know, or, you know, if I buy my friend a gift, she's going to like me more, or like whatever the, you know, foundational thing of how do I get love in this case with Anne, you know, she uh, went to medical school. Maybe that was how she was getting love from her father or whatever the, the scenario is. But, you know, once you kind of climb up the ladder here and, you know, maybe this is like the sacral and the solar plexus and the heart. And it's like, by the time we get up to like the third eye and the crown, it's just like, that's a superpower, you know? So it's like this climbing and this revealing of like, how do we get love? And until we get to all, we go halfway to the heart chakra and it's just like, but what do we love? And then we start unlocking these other doors, you know, and then it becomes like, this is my divine gift. This is the love that I'm going to give to the world. This is going to be the service that I give to the world. So it's really a process of these keys. And I think the first question we could ask ourselves is, what do we do to get love? And if we can answer that question authentically, you know, maybe it's like, I just want to always look pretty. So people will compliment me. Okay. Well then that's how you're getting love. And then you climb up the ladder and then, you know, you start to reveal these other portals within you and you realize that that first part was just a, you know, a security blanket, you know, it was just like, Oh, I have to always look this way because I've, that's how I've gotten love in the past. But that was just like the root chakra. And, you know, and then you start climbing up. So um, obviously we could talk about this till we're blue in the face. We're obviously out of time. I want to um, first just send so much thanks and love and gratitude to every single panelist here. Um, all of these um, brilliant souls, they are contributors to the Holistic Fashionista magazine. So if you have not picked up Holistic Fashionista magazine, you can see I got a whole inventory of beautiful uh, spiritual wisdom that we do for all helping anybody through the ascension process from 3D into the fifth dimension, most importantly, to help you find your, your life path, but also your your soul's work so that you can give your love to your people, to the people that you came here to serve. So um, at the uh, bottom of this video, wherever you are seeing this, okay, YouTube, the Facebook community, and the Facebook page, I'm going to have each of the panelists leave their information below. Um, if you want to follow them on Instagram, friend request them, whatever they're going to leave below. I would recommend at least joining their mailing list. Um, most of them probably have some kind of free tool to help you get started on your journey, wherever, the, wherever you are on that journey. So do check below this video. Um, warm welcome, warm thank you to every single one of you guys. I'm going to unmute everybody just so we can um, give a final farewell. And let me just go ahead and unmute all. Thank you guys so much for being here at the Empress Festival. I, we covered so much ground. Um, you guys are just mm -hmm. truly my inspiration for everything that I do here at Holistic Fashionista. So thank you for being here. Thank you, Angel. Thank you. Bye. Thanks, y'all. <laughs> All right, you guys. And until next month, our next one will happen in February. Be sure to check out the calendar of events at holisticfashionista.com forward slash calendar. Stay tuned for our next guest. You might actually see some of these familiar faces again. Um, if you haven't joined the Holistic Fashionista Club and you're interested in learning more about how to uh, go through this spiritual process and no matter where you are in your journey, do check out the Holistic Fashionista Club. We'd love to learn more about you and all of your amazing superpowers. All right, you guys, have a beautiful rest of your day and stay sacred. Bye. 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 <laughs>